All right, let's uh, conclude this series on uh, the movies. One, one would think that Lion King would have been light. We went pretty deep. Uh, somehow last week through Toy Story, um, we went very deep, very confronting. Uh, sorry about that. It's just it's what rattles around in the old brain. Uh, so today it's, got, it's bound to be light. We're talking about The Matrix. What could go wrong? Um, now, uh, warning, we're going to show some clips, and this is an M-rated video. Um, I've cut out pieces so no one actually gets stabbed or hurt, so it's not too bad, but just uh, if you've got young kitties in here, um, just be aware of that. But what I want to really portray through this um, narrative of the Matrix is a narrative that's very common in our, in our own life, because for us, the narrative in our head is about who? You, me. It's, it's our narrative. My thoughts are predominantly consumed with my story. It's my day, it's, it's my clothes that I've got to put on, it's my career, it's, you know. So the main player in my head tends to be uh, me, unfortunately. I know it should be God, but um, I'm working on it, as most of us are. Okay, so we understand the fact that we are the one that's filling ourselves with our thoughts, but Hollywood obviously knows this. Hollywood understands the narratives that's going on in your soul all the time. And the one I want to bring out today, and I brought out a few over this series, this one is about the unassuming hero. And you see this right throughout some of the biggest blockbusters from Hollywood, the unassuming hero. Um, and you'll see a number of key players take part in this sort of storyline because the unassuming hero is just a girl or a guy. They're just trying to live their life, but there's an itch they can't scratch. It's like there's something bothering them. They don't realise they're born for greatness or whatever the story, however the story is going to end. All they know is that there's this ceiling, there's this thing around them that's stopping them seeing the resolution for this itch, for more or for meaning or for something. And so in this sort of storyline, you'll often find the unassuming hero. But what comes along next will be the mentor and the guide. And so if you, if you can parallel this, say, with Star Wars, the epic Star Wars saga... It's, it's got the unassuming hero. It started out as Luke Skywalker that evolved uh, to different characters throughout the time. All he knew, he was stuck on this desert planet and he was looking to the sky and going, there's more. Then, then comes the mentor, the guide, Obi-Wan Kenobi, comes in. And Obi-Wan's almost past it, but he's got a lot of wisdom in there and so there's a lot of insight. And he helps the unassuming hero break through the glass ceiling. And he does it through guiding without sort of over-interfering. He doesn't play the role for him, lets them go, and, and they do what they're meant to do. But what this breaking through then is it opens their eyes to a higher moral reality. When they get through that glass and they go, ah, oh, there's a bigger deal going on here. And so for Luke Skywalker, it's the dark side of the force and then there's the light side of the force and, and, uh, and there's Darth Vader and there's all these sorts of characters come in there. And with this higher moral reality comes this greater evil that accompanies it because it's one balances out the other. For every great hero, there's got to be a great villain. And so there's the dark side and the, and the emperor and, and so on. But this all then manifests in a, in a clear obstacle to be overcome. So Star Wars, it's the Death Star or it's someone's got to slay Darth Vader or so on. So you see the hero, you see the mentor, you see the greater reality, the moral good and so on. And you, you see a very clear mission that has to be overcome. So let's bring this storyline into the Matrix. Because Neo, if you remember um, Kano Reeves uh, back when he was young, he never seems to age, this man. Um, he's just about to do another movie in The Matrix and he still looks much the same, just with a bit more hair, a lot more money. But he's the, uh, he's the unassuming hero um, and he somehow senses there's another reality out there and he gets obsessed with it. 
So he's young and he's cool and he's hip and he's dweeby and he's a hacker and all this stuff. And son, then he seeks after this figure that he's heard about called Morpheus, who's going to lead him through. And Morpheus needs to be sought before he gets found. So let's have a look at this first clip. Couldn't get any more intense. <laughs> like, I've got to make that call now? Really? Like the blue pill or the red pill? I wonder which one you would take. So the blue pill ends up being, you just wake up, and it's like, that was a dodgy dream. Where's some pizza and make sure that doesn't happen again. Or the red pill. And you don't know what's down the rabbit hole. He, he likens it to uh, Alice in Wonderland going down the hole and she doesn't know how far it goes. She just knows it's the only hole in town. It's, I've, this life I'm living in makes no sense. I've got so many unanswered questions. The only invitation to any of the answers is down the rabbit hole. And so will you take the red or the blue pill? And this, this is where it starts to connect with our story because all of us are aware of eternity. We're aware there are things that we aren't aware of. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that eternity is woven into the hearts of mankind, humanity. Eternity is there. There's a spiritual, eternal awareness. We know we're not just atoms that have come together by accident. We know the science, but we know it's, there's science plus something else. And uh, coming from an atheistic background, for me, that journey was obviously so clear. The, the, the progressive revelation that there's more, the undeniable reality of intelligent design. There was just too many unanswered questions. And so it became, for me, that itch that had to be scratched. And you find yourself asking questions. Why am I here? What does this mean? Am I just an animal that's going to die and, and rot away? That's a bad conclusion. Is there a God? Does that mean that there must be a God in some form? Does material science agree with intelligent design? Um, history documents this man, Jesus, died and he rose again. There's historical... There's more evidence for the rising of Jesus as a human being than there is that Julius Caesar ever existed. And yet, how do I grapple with these realities? And what are the implications of that in my life? And so, all of humanity, all of us who are born, need to come to that window, that hole in the ground where Alice jumps down and says, do I take the blue pill or the red pill? Most people still take the blue pill. Because the blue pill gives you the ability of denial. The blue pill lets you walk away. You're free from responsibility. You can do anything you like. Nothing means anything. But, none, but so few people follow the logic of that. Because if there is no God, if there is no morality, then why don't I just do anything that I want? What gives me the right to set a social contract that determines right and wrong? Why can't I just go and cut the heads off 50 people? Who cares? We're all going to die and get, become dust anyway. We know that's wrong. Every human being knows that's fundamentally wrong and it goes against us. Where does that come from? Eternity is woven into the hearts of every human being. A moral compass. We know it's there. And so denial and blindness, if we choose that path, it's just like, I just don't want to go there. And we shut the door on that and we choose not to go down the rabbit hole. And it becomes a powerful addiction. But it, it forbids us from being comforted in the reality of what's happening. See, Neo, uh, Neo was told by Morpheus, you know the truth? You want to know the truth? The hard truth is, Neo, we're all just slaves. We're slaves to something we can't see. We don't know why. We're just addicted to life. We have no, nothing else. We don't have the power to change. But Jesus comes along and he, he's like Morpheus in some ways. Here he's blessed are those who mourn because they can be comforted. You can discover the truth of that and actually be comforted through the journey of that. See, the blue pill seems attractive except for one inconvenient truth. 
that we are a slave. No human being on their own has the power to break free from the consequences of, the, of sin and the fall. Doesn't matter how strong you are, doesn't matter what self-help exercises you have, doesn't matter what Oprah says, it doesn't matter. You can't do it. The human being is only as strong as a human soul can be. We claim to be free, the reality is that we're not. And we, we need more. And so what do we have? We have the rabbit hole. That's the only option that we have. There is no way to break free unless, as Jesus said, the truth sets you free. So the red pill takes you down the proverbial rabbit hole. And this is for those in the room who may be uh, new to church, unchurched. It's also for those of us who have been around for years, some of us for decades in church world. Because what does it mean, really, that there is a spiritual reality? What does it mean that there's angels, and demons, a Holy Spirit, a God who is eternal, who's everywhere and every when, all at the same time? Because if that's true, you're obliged to follow the logic and you're obliged to follow the rabbit hole as far as that rabbit hole goes. And yet most of us come to a point, even if we've jumped in, where we go, I just, I want to go into a bit more denial just now because the further I go down, the less comfortable it can be. But then Jesus comes to earth from this other reality, somehow joins the two and says, here's how you talk to this other reality. Here's how you talk to this God who is everywhere and everywhere. Your kingdom come down here. Let it be down here as it is up there, out there. Let it be like that here. This bold, faith-filled embracing of two realities and saying, no, we can live them both at the same time. And it's so much like the parable of the matrix. And yet the matrix falls over at some point through this whole thing. Because Jesus lived from that other reality. Not in just his mindset, but from the power. He was a citizen of heaven, living on earth, with strength, perspective, and purpose, and he said, you can do more than what I've just done. Just like Morpheus said to Neo, he lived among us and he looked like us. So in the storyline, Neo is becoming more and more aware of this. He actually says, I'm jumping down the hole. He takes the red pill and off he goes. Goes through all this trauma of his first, first faith step. Down the rabbit hole he goes. This is like the new believer. He says, I'm, I'm placing my faith in Jesus. I actually don't even know so much about what I'm doing because I'm placing my faith in him to pay the price for my sin that I could never do. What that means and where that goes, I don't really know. And then Morpheus takes Neo back into the matrix, plugs him back in and begins to explain what it is he's been living. Let's have a look at that. She's not all she seems. So Morpheus illustrates the slavery. And some huge statements here. Not everyone's ready to be unplugged. But what he showed him with the woman in the red dress was this illustration of slavery and the, and the ramifications because it's our little habits, our little lusts, our little addictions that can kill you. And so he's introducing now the greater evil. Here's the greater evil. That which you think without the presence of the, of the knowledge of this other reality, all those little things that we do that are self-pleasing, that are attractive to the eye, uh, the, the scriptures talk about, the lusts of the flesh and so on, they're part of this greater deception that that which we think for a moment is going to bring us to life is the, thing that, the very thing that can kill us. James says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed, that's the woman in the red dress, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death, the gun. It's an, it's an incredible parable of what we think is attractive, but ultimately that which we are drawn to, like a moth to the flame, ends up being the thing that kills us. 
Now, he's not saying God's against pleasure. He's just against us being owned by the pursuit of it. And in the absence of the strength that comes from our relationship with God, we can only be addicted to it. He doesn't want to rob us of life but to give it. So Jesus himself, talking about this very same parable, says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He says, I want to give you way more than a woman in a red dress. I want to give you life. I want to give you relationship. I want to give you context and connection and power to live in a way that's free and brings freedom to other people. This is sort of the gospel reality that we know and we love. But like Neo, there's this faith step into this reality that you can't know about until you jump in. And so if you're a non-church person here this morning, the red pill in this allegory that I'm giving represents that first step. It's that step that says, I don't understand and I never can understand until I take my first step into this rabbit warren that becomes a life of faith. It's not without understanding, it's not without common sense and intelligence. It just means I, I have to go somewhere that I can't go on my own. I have to go somewhere where I require the strength of someone else to save me. Now it's the antithesis of humanism. Now I have to rely on someone who's greater, someone who's stronger. Because there's a price that has to be paid and I can't pay it. And yet that price had to be paid by someone who was human and yet also from this other reality, who was God, who was perfect. He had to pay the price for me so he could join those two worlds in this man called Jesus. And as he died, he gave me access to that same journey and I could take the step down the rabbit hole and become part of this other reality as well. But in the years that follow that decision, and this is where it lands for most of us in the room, in the years that follow, we have to learn that that rabbit warren doesn't end with my first step. Some of us would tend to think, that's awesome, now I'm in, I'm at, least, at least I'm there, I'm, I'm in the right rabbit warren, I'm playing in the right sandpit, I'm, I'm with the right crowd, Trinity Prudential I used to call it, it's like eternity insurance, doesn't matter what I do now because I'm always failing but I'm going to get to heaven anyway. <laughs> but how do you live with that tension? Is that satisfactory for you? Is that, is that where this rabbit hole ends? If you actually read the New Testament, it doesn't. It, it allows for the journey and says, look, we're all messed up, we're all broken and we're still on a journey. Christians aren't perfect, but they're on that journey. And that journey is holiness and perfection. That journey is spirit empowerment because you still can't do it in your own strength. doesn't matter how forgiven you are. You still can't exercise enough strength to break those addictions. You can't do anything in the Christian life without faith. And faith means I'm relying on someone greater than me to work it through me. So as we look at this next clip, we start to see this challenge. And this is a challenge, as a pastor, I see every single day of the week. It's just done through a bit of a Hollywood narrative and a bit more violent. This is the fighting scene. But it's, it's you and me fighting against our own minds and our own self and our ability to say, I know what the Bible says. It says he's given me all power. It says I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yet I know my frailties. I know how broken I am. I know how I, I fail routinely. How do I fight this fight? So let's have a look at the next clip. Tall buildings in a single bound. Let go of fear and unbelief. Have you heard that coming from anyone else? Perhaps in the scriptures? Jesus said, The world will be full of trouble, but I've overcome it, and so can you. A seed of faith will let you move a mountain into the sea. If you believe, you will do greater things than I've done. Did he really say that? Did he really say that we will do greater things than Jesus has done? I actually think he really said that. But the question is, did he mean it? I think he did. How far or how close is our reality to the reality that he promised? And 
here we are, if I've done anything over the last 20 years, it's, I'm not as good looking as Morpheus, but it's trying and rattle the cage of our minds and under, to, to see it's not about, he's saying to Neo, come on, you're better than this. What he's saying is, you, you can't do this. Your old flesh can't do this. You can only do this through this greater reality. And Jesus comes down and says the same thing. Don't stop fighting in your own strength. Have you figured out yet? It never did work and it's never going to work. The only way to live is through faith and let the power of God's spirit in you. You've got to live as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth through me. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God, this other reality, is righteousness, peace and joy found in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Free your mind. <laughs> I wish I had the glasses. Because Scripture is true, but we redefine Scripture according to our experience. We become experts at it. We go so far down the rabbit hole, but like Neo, we're fighting a fight and we say, I know what you're trying to do. I'm just going to get through this life as best I can. But God is offering freedom. He's offering transforming power. And all these things that for most of us is such a rare occurrence. And I understand because we're all still fighting that, that fight. But what I'd like to do, and I really, it's been, this has been swelling up in me now for a, a number of weeks, is from, uh, from next Sunday, I've got three more messages that, that I'm delivering this, this year before I have a bit of a break. But um, I want to take us, I want to give us a taster. Because when we started this church, part of the arrangement that I negotiated with God, it was a pretty one-sided arrangement, I should admit, um, because I said no. As many of you know, I said no, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm busy doing what, what I was doing somewhere else. And the word the Lord gave me was, you've been fighting this fight now for 15 years. I need you to get on with it because this is the next step. And that fight that I was fighting was this fight, this understanding of, of helping God's people understand there is so much more power to live than any of us could imagine. And that, it's only that power that's going to change the world. It's only that power that's going to make an impact in our city. Only that power is going to fulfill the calling that God has in this, in this church. And yet I know he's brought together such a, an interesting mix of people. We're from all sorts of backgrounds. Some of us don't even believe there is a Holy Spirit. It's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. And yet, if, you, if we read, just read the book, if we just read the book, it's rock solid what it says. And yet, because the experience is messy, like what Neo is going through, because it's messy, we, we tend away because it's a little bit unsafe and it's a little bit weird sometimes and some things we can't explain and sometimes we get it wrong, sometimes we get it powerfully right. But I want to have some of our own people bring some testimonies of how God's transformed their life and I want to spend three weeks talking about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to change your life and the life of people around you. Not you, I'm not going to tell you how to be better, how to get good, how to be smart, how to say anything. just want to give you some, a snapshot, a taster of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Because I've seen, I've been blessed to be able to see thousands now, thousands of stories of lives completely inverted, turned upside down, inside out, healed, restored, empowered, called, all those sorts of things. But what use is that if I can't share those stories with you and get some of them up here on the stage? So that's going to be starting from next week. So our struggle then is to believe like Neo, and the journey of faith is a really uncomfortable one. But I just want to know, in a, in a really simple way today, what vision you have for your life? What vision do you have for your life? Because you're going to take the blue pill or the red pill. Pretty much we've taken the red pill. 
We've, we've jumped down the hole. But in this story, and I haven't shown this clip, there's one guy in there, and, and um, the, our instincts are to dislike him. But gee, I see myself in this guy. He betrays the cause. He just says, look, I'm so done with this fight. I'm sick of taking the hits, and I know when I was back in the Matrix, I never knew about all this reality. And it's what we would call the backslider. It's, it's the person that says, oh, I just want out. And he goes and meets, goes back into the matrix and meets with the bad guys and sells his soul, so to speak, and says, I just don't care. I know this steak that I'm eating doesn't really taste, I know it's not even real, but right now it just feels awesome because I can live in denial of, of living in this other reality where it's a fight against evil forces and so on. But he says, can you just plug me back into the matrix? Because I understand I'm going to die one day anyway. Why would I die fighting? Why can't I just die in pleasure and get to heaven and pat down the flames because I only just made it through. Well, I'll just do that way. And so the Matrix guy, the bad guy, says, absolutely, I'll do whatever you want. I don't really care. As long as just give me the keys to, to where uh, Neo is. But you can see his logic. And it's a, it's a threat on the Western church. It's a threat to say, why even engage in that? Why take another step down the rabbit warren that says, the, the further I go down there, the more I'm actually going to understand being empowered by God's Spirit. Why would I do that when I can just relax and I can just do whatever I want but this is where the allegory ends because the logic there is that it does end happily ever after for him and or that physical death uh, finishes our eternal story but we all know it doesn't this is just chapter one how we how we spend this time between uh, cradle and the grave determines how you're going to spend reality we don't all walk into the same experience after we pass away and get to heaven. Not everyone's, it's, it's, it's different there. There's a whole series of messages on the rewards of faithfulness, um, the different callings that we all have, and how our faithfulness here, based on what's been revealed to us and the opportunities God's given us, transfers in, into the life eternal, because eternal life doesn't begin when we die. It's actually right now, today. This, you are in eternal life, and what you do now will matter for eternity. And it's quite, the calling that's on your life is a calling that goes on for eternity. I wonder what he's called you to be and become. So physical death is hardly the end of our story. And so we see life, when we see life that way, everything changes. It, it confronts your possessions, your priorities. It, it confronts, if I could keep on with the P's, your politics, your purpose, all these things. If we really keep walking down that rabbit warren, instead of stopping, the implications will affect every part of your life. And it's only then you find freedom because none of this stuff then owns you anymore. You can walk away uh, unaware of the cost because it's no real cost for you anymore. So I wonder what vision you have for your life. Are you aware that the, that the rabbit hole keeps going? That there's more and more and the invitation from the Spirit is to come more and more deeper and deeper because you're going to start seeing life through the eyes of eternity and life looks different that way. Ultimately, Neo saw life that way. He started seeing things very differently when he realised I can overcome through this power of the Spirit within me. Let's have a look at this next clip. There you go. We all have a size 12 boot like that in the Spirit. See, the Christian life is not about being passive. The Christian life is one um, of warfare. We, we sign on to this thing, don't we, sometimes, and we think, well, now I can be happy and sing little hymns all day and kumbaya and, and let's just keep talking about Jesus. It's like we get on the cruise ship we head down the wharf there looking for the cruise ship anyway, but we get down there and there's, a, there's an attack submarine. And that's our, that's our vehicle. We're actually called to warfare. 
We're not attacked to a, we're not a, um, called to a blueprint view of life where it's all mapped out for us and, and um, we can pray because we're told to pray but we don't have to have faith and contend for that which is not as if it already is. We don't bring one reality down to the other. We just sit back and we, we just say, kumbaya. Isn't it awesome? We just keep getting to come to church every Sunday. But then when we get tired, let's come every second, third or fourth. What difference is it going to make? Or we go down the rabbit warren and we realise I'm actually in the middle of a war and I never knew it was there the whole time because each of us are playing our part in a cosmic battle of eternal significance for millions of people. Millions of people. Imagine if we were focused on that. Imagine if we saw life through the same, that same sort of lens and we actually saw the reality that's all around us. Scripture has different moments where it depicts those sorts of scenes. Uh, Elisha was being uh, surrounded by an army uh, and uh, his servant was freaking out and, and he says, uh, let, him, let him see that there's more for us than is against us. And he suddenly saw the hills surrounded with, with angels and tens of thousands coming to fight for them. That's our reality. You think there's a, a couple of hundred people in this room? In the spiritual realm, there's thousands more. They sing a lot louder than you. They get a lot happier than him. When someone gives their heart to Christ, when someone makes a step of faith, and it's not just that first one, every step of faith, they go, yes, get behind that. It's going on. That is actually our reality. You know, you think you're getting bored with life? You want to get into the real game? Take one more step down the rabbit warren. Come with us from next week and we'll start talking about the real transformative power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in 1 John 4, you are from God, you're from Him, and you've overcome them being the evil forces, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Ever felt like the world's just pushed you around, that the world's made you conform to its agenda? That's actually illegal for it. And we need to, we need to realize our identity, embrace this power that's been given, and work from that. John 17, 16, Jesus says, they are not from this world, talking about the disciples, even as I am not of it. Whether we like it or not, we're, we're actually not of this world. Once we're born again, once God's Spirit lives within us, we have our citizenship in heaven. We're still located here, but we're citizens of heaven. And so that opens up access to so much more, more than we could ask or imagine. So all that to say, that's just, all I've done is play Obi-Wan Kenobi for a moment, or Morpheus, all I've done is just crack the shell of the glass cage that's around us and said, hey, are, you, are you aware that there's more? Who'd like to come on that journey? Who'd like to take a journey of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our life? A credible one, not of, not of lunatic, not of fringy. I mean powerful, normal Queenslanders, normal people like us, assuming we're normal. Introverted, thoughtful, Baptists, brethren, Presbyterians, the odd Pentecostal smattered in there. We'll keep them under control though. I'm joking, they can take a joke. But why don't we take that journey? We've already started. We started from the day we started this church. But to do that as a credible, peaceful, powerful, humble, authentic, substantive, intelligent, spirit-empowered group of people who can change the world. Let's do that. Let's do that. So you may be a visitor here and bless you. It's, good to, it's great to have you. And this is all very new to you. Uh, Maybe you're asking yourself, do I take the blue pill or the red pill? Do I ever come back into this joint again? Well, you're welcome. You're incredibly welcome and we know we, and we understand the journey of faith. So we take everyone as they are and no perfect people are allowed here. Let's get that straight. You don't have to qualify to be loved in this place. You might be an old hand at the Christian life. I just wonder, are you still in the fight? 
are you still in the fight? The fight you started many years ago when, when it was all fresh and new and you had nothing else to live for except the gospel. But now life's gotten complicated. Life's gotten uh, complex with uh, mortgages and careers and kids and, and all that kind of stuff. All I'm just saying there is don't give up. Press on, press down, take the next step and we're gonna take it with you. Maybe you just decided way back then it's just way too hard, this journey in the matrix, I just wanna cash out. Well, it's time to cash back in. The chips never go away. All it takes is one step, turn around. Jesus said, all you need to do, the kingdom is at hand. It's right there. You can grasp it. Just repent. Just change the way you think. Turn around and come back home again. It never goes away. Are you ready to take the next step of faith in your life? One more step down the rabbit hole. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that your heart is good your heart is drawing your heart is that we come to life that even through the battle that we've depicted today and it looks a bit aggressive it's not our fight you fight within us you, it's your strength that wins the fight we're coming from a place of victory the victory's already been won we're just out there taking the ground so father help us give us wisdom lord give us sensitivity give us a dedication to the cause to play our part in this cosmic conflict, to begin to live by faith because there's a greater vision for life than just avoiding as much pain as we can until our deathbed. There's so much more life, there's so much more joy, there's so much more peace and there's incredible amounts of power for those who believe. We've seen it, it happens everywhere, all day, every day. Let it be our story. And let's do it, Father, we pray for the grace to do it Lord, if you understand in a Queensland way. Lord, you want to draw people in. Queenslanders, we're not fringy people normally. Most of us are pretty middle of the road. We're conservative thinkers. We like to have a sleep after church. We don't talk to strangers. But Father, I pray that you would take us, this group of people, that you would open our eyes, even as we saw on the screen then, and to see reality as reality really is, and give us a dream and a vision to take our steps further into you, to not be settled with the status quo of religion in Australia, because it might be good, but it's completely inadequate. Take us on. Give us courage. Give us vision in Jesus' name. Amen.